Good morning. I am Vincent Hoppy. I'm the pastor here at Grace and Peace Church. If I haven't met you yet, uh, I would like to meet you, so please come introduce yourself to me and we could be introduced. Uh, what we've been doing the past few weeks is discussing exactly what is what are the values of grace and peace. So grace and peace as a church exists to bring the renewing and healing good news of the gospel into this world so that our fragmented lives would be put back together and healed. That we would experience rich, vibrant life, real life. And that it is only through the gospel that that happens. And so that's what we come and we talk about today. And we, well, today we'll be talking about uh, um, how do we do discipleship with Monday in mind. That is our, our value for the day. Uh, if you're like me, I grew up in a time where the school cafeteria was the highlight of my day. And I, we have these little trays as a kid, like little trays at my house that remind me of the lunch tray that I would have as a little child. Of course, um, there's like, there's monkeys on this one. I don't know what that's about to express, but we'll get to it. And so we, I would have this little lunch tray. I would get it after I turned in my little ticket, of course, like uh, another sermon illustration, but I was the kid with the off-colored ticket, so everyone knew that I was on the reducer free lunch. It's like, they've stopped doing that now because they apparently realize that it causes a fair amount of shame. Wish they would have figured that out, you know, like a few years earlier. But, so you'd go turn in your ticket and you would get this lunch tray, right? And the main course would be placed right here in the center and usually it was like some kind of vaguely, uh, like looks like an abstract art of lasagna. It was placed right there. And then they'd have some sort of vegetable. Usually it's like Popeye spinach, like straight out of the can right there. And you're like, oh, Lord, what is going on? And then some sort of bread. And then there'd be like this little thing of cherries right here. And you're like, I don't know what this mystery cherry thing is, but that's what I want. I'm excited about that. In a lot of ways, a lot of people view their life kind of like the lunch tray. And so you think about our lives as a lunch tray, the main encore, the main, main entree for us is that abstract lasagna. That's what's going to nourish us and feed us. And for most of us, that's our work life. We put it right there. That's our work life. For others, we think about, uh, like, maybe the spinach is like we need it. It's something good for us. And so, like, spinach, we probably, like, exercise. You know, I kind of keep it like, I need to exercise. My wife tells me, you need to exercise or you will die. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, then bread, you just need the energy and different things like that. So that's like our Netflix life, like a leisure life. Um, and, then, and then over here are cherries. Usually a lot of us think like, you know what? It's sweet. It's wonderful. It's, it's an extra. I don't really need it. But that's, that's like my Christian life. And notice it's this nice little small portion. What I think the Bible says, though, is this. The Bible tells us not that we have these little segmented portion of our life and then, you know, our Christian life is this little sliver. Our Christian life, for, for a lot of people, is the times that you read the Bible, the times you, you go to Bible study, uh, Sunday worship, or uh, the times you actually pray. No, the Bible presents that your Christian life should be the tray itself and that everything else 
fits in your Christian life. And so that the cherries, hopefully, you know, is transformed into, I don't know, bike riding or, uh, you know, reading or something. You know, and so that's that segment of your life. And so it's not just a small portion. Your Christian life is not a small portion. That's why grace and peace is about discipleship with Monday in mind. Let's think about this. There are about 168 hours in a week. You know, if you're lucky and you're not a parent yet, you get somewhere in the range of eight hours a night. You do some basic math. You're in 56 hours a week of sleep. You watch reruns of Friends, The Office, The Walking Dead, and or Parks and Rec for about six hours a week. You exercise about 15 seconds. But the bulk of your life, about 40 to 50 hours, has lived in your vocation or your work. And so I mean vocation, not vacation, okay? Vocation. Most of our lives is there. And vocation, you can be a stay-at-home mom or dad, a student, a teacher, a truck driver, a counselor, a medical records assistant, a lawyer, a doctor, an IT manager, You can do all these things, and that's where you spend the bulk of your time. And the Bible is very interested in that, because whenever we we look at at the Bible, this is the bulk of our lives. Jesus didn't just come by and say, and, and Paul didn't write, you know, Jesus is coming by to renew uh, your vacation. He's not just renewing your Christian life. No. He said, and Paul writes, that he is renewing and reconciling all things to himself. I looked it up in the Greek. All things means all things. It means everything. Every single bit. So that the theologian Abraham, Abraham Kuyper would say that there is not a square inch of this creation in which God does not peer over and declare and proclaim mine. So every second of your life, every portion, every bit, even to the, the, like everything you see belongs to the person of Jesus Christ. So grace and peace values to prepare you to live the Christian life and not just in your nine to five, but in every hour of your life. We want you to live out your Christian life in every segment. And so we are about discipling and helping you to walk after Jesus in a way to live your life so that every portion of your life reflects the character and goodness of Jesus Christ. So when Paul tells the Colossian church to do everything, word and deed, so he's trying to cover all spheres with two words, word and deed. In the name of the Lord, he means that you do it, whatever you do, in the name means according to the reputation and authority of Jesus Christ. It is as if Jesus Christ has his signature stamped on you in your life. Everything is to be done in that manner. In the preceding section of the text in Colossians 3, he says to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So he covers like he says, hey, this is what's true about you. You are chosen, you're holy, you're beloved. That is true. It is yours. And then the operation out of that comes, on, comes out further. He says, okay, you know, you need to have compassionate hearts. 
Put on kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If, if one has a complaint to one another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Oh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So it means that the reputation of Jesus Himself is on you, wherever you go. You do it in His authority. It goes with you. And so he tells them to do these things, to be like Jesus. So we need to know things about him in order to go forward. In the beginning of the book, Paul tells his readers that Jesus is uh, God reconciling all things to himself in Colossians 1.20. And we do that, as he says in verse 12, by putting on these things, compassionate hearts, kindness, He says that you're beloved, you operate out of that. So let's answer this question. And it's a question many of us have to think about. What does Sunday, worship, church, have to do with my Monday? What does Sunday have to do with my Monday? Most of us are living the segmented life. But now I'm saying, no, your Christian life is this whole stinking tray. So your Christian life is when you go back to drive a truck, is when you go back to plunge someone's toilet, to do uh, the electrical work so that someone would have lights on. That is the Christian life. It is not segmented to Bible study, to the times you pray to Jesus. All of it is done before the eyes of the Lord, before the face of God. It is done in Latin, as they say, quorum Deo, before God. And so, let's answer this question. It's a big challenge for us, especially millennials. You always feel disengaged from your work. You're not exactly sure how this works for the greater good. We have this value to be part of, you know, recreating the world, doing things like that, but We never feel like I ain't ever going to be able to do anything important. It's never going to add up. So we're always struggling with it. And we're always wondering how does our work contribute to the good of the world? How in the world is uh, making cards or uh, keeping records for people contributing to the good of the world? And so two things I want to cover. Sunday empowers God's people for mission on Monday. Sunday empowers God's people for mission on Monday. And two, mission on Monday is work. Mission on Monday is work. So Sunday empowers God's people for mission on Monday. Uh, the church began to start meeting, according, uh, according to the scriptures, on, uh, on the Lord's Day, which was the first day of the week, Sunday, today. According to Acts 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 16, we see that they were gathering together that they were singing, learning things from the scriptures. Uh, and this is part of, the, part of a, a, an ongoing part of the text, the, the scriptures that talk about God's new creation. 
So if you see in the first half of the Bible, we see something called creation. Then there was a fall. So creation became marred, was destroyed. Things aren't as good as it should have been. God declares it was good, and then suddenly it was fallen. Then God redeems these people and has a new creation. This is part of the reason why we say things about like new birth, resurrection from death to life. That in Jesus Christ's resurrection, we have entered into a new creation. Something new has happened. And so what happens on Sunday is we are reenacting or embodying this new creation. We are going over the lines of this new creation. It is as if we are playing out this drama. And you and I have to remember our part. And so on Sunday, we sing songs about the goodness, kindness, love, the character of God and the person of Jesus Christ. We sing about his steadfast love. We sing how it never gives up. We sing how it's for us. And so we then are to live it out. It is like show and tell that we are going to go out of this place. So Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, he tells them, tells his church, his people, their marching orders. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, by baptizing them, and by teaching them, he says. And he says, I am with you to the end of the age. He's going to be present with his people. And so discipleship, a lot of us, uh, whenever discipleship uh, is a weird word, like, uh, think about it this way. A lot, we, we might use discipleship in other ways. So discipleship, like if you're a disciple of Christ, then you follow Jesus, right? But if you're a disciple of, um, let's say, uh, Nick Saban of Alabama football, so you follow the teachings and methods of Nick Saban and his coaching model. Okay, uh, let's do another one. If you are maybe a disciple or you're an apprentice of a doctor, of a particular doctor, you learn the methods of this doctor. And so the way that we are to learn Jesus Christ, we're to be disciples, Jesus tells them is by baptizing them, initiating them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that they then have the reputation of Jesus on them, that his name covers them, and they are initiated in. And then it says teaching them to obey. So what you do is you teach them the form and standard, the way you are to do things. This is the family method, the family standards. So if you take, get the family name, guess what? You should probably act like the family, right? And so what does the family do? We reflect God into the world. A lot of us have this idea of discipleship as that we just stop we, we make a bunch of disciples. We like, I get you to pray the prayer, and then I will get you to do, you know, just become really heavenly minded, and everything is just about Sunday, about worshiping, about praying, different things like that. Uh, yes, those are very good things. You should pray. You should know scripture. You should have it dwell in your heart richly, as it says in Colossians. But for what? But for what? The bulk of my life is spent working. I don't know if you're making little cogs or something. The, you know, what is this for? 
Romans 12 tells us, though, in view of God's mercy, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Colossians tell them, hey, you're supposed to sing hymns, spiritual songs, and, 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 the Lord will do, and the, let the word dwell in your midst in order, in order for what? For what? So that we can get back to Sunday? No. From the beginning, the story goes is that God created humanity, male and female, after his own image, so that they would subdue the earth and have dominion over it. So that the creation would be ruled or stewarded by humanity. So that it would, through their work, reflect God's goodness. That it would proclaim his beauty. And so throughout scripture, it is God then makes humanity so that he would fill the earth with his, his image bearers. And then it's fallen, it's broken, they try to go away from him. But he is going to get them back so that what? He could do what he set out to do in creation. He's going to redeem them so that he could start a new creation. And so, everything we do on Sunday is to remind us of the story of how we were recreated in the person of Jesus Christ. How our, we are fallen and broken. How we have sinned against God and others. But that Jesus Christ would not let that barrier keep him from us. And that he would bring us back so that our vocations and our work would be able to go into subduing the earth for his glory so that we can work for his glory a good example of this is by a guy named Sully Sullenberger or in so Sullinger so he was taking off he's an airline pilot on January 15th 2009 he Leaves the airport, takes off on U.S. Airways Flight 1549. Everything was normal. He had done his routine checks. He had gone through all the motions that he had gone through a hundred times or a thousand times before that. He'd been a commercial pilot for 29 years. Before that, he was a member of the U.S. Air Force. When suddenly, though, as he's taking off, they hit a flock of geese and both engines go out. Both engines go out. At this time, he did not do anything extraordinary, anything drastic. What instead he did was he went through the motions of what he has done and what he has taught thousands of times before. He had trained for this. And so he went through the motions, you know, of landing an airplane into the Hudson on water in order that every single person lived. It wasn't extraordinary. He did what exactly he was trained to do a thousand times before. So what helped him? It was his training. It was that he had practiced all the time and recalibrated himself so that it was just like muscle memory. Here's how it works for us. The diligent practice of coming together on Sunday, of reading the scriptures, of praying, 
is to engage us in such a way that when it really comes time, it'll be just like muscle memory for all of us. So that when we are out in work, we know the script, we know how it's going to go, so that we will be able to reflect the goodness of Jesus Christ while we're teaching little annoying middle schoolers. If you have ever taught middle schoolers, you know exactly what I am talking about. It is very hard to exhibit love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control when a middle schooler is shooting spit wads at somebody. And this is the deal. That is exactly what the mission of God is. So we hear about the mission, we sing about the mission, we see about Jesus Christ redeeming the world, and do you know what we do? We don't just leave it at these doors. No, we are shot out so that the goodness and rule of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God would actually be lived out in that middle school classroom. And so instead of you know, uh, uh, reflecting the, the character of a WWE star uh, and, and picking up middle school Johnny who'd been shooting spit wads and you put him in a headlock and you take him to the principal's office, no, you are kind You are merciful. There are standards, absolutely. But you reflect Jesus Christ in that moment instead of the undertaker. I would want to tombstone him, but, you know, that's another story. Uh, Anyway. So... That is how Sunday works. We are to... It is like rehearsing the lines of a play. Sunday is the practice of a new creation, and you bring out that reality on, into Monday. Sunday is the lines and the story of a new creation, and you live that out on Monday in every little way. Next, m- mission on Monday is work, and it is the work of the kingdom. In fact, you could say it this way. When you show up on Monday and you're going to plunge a toilet, do you know you are building the kingdom? You are building the kingdom while plunging a toilet. A lot of people, though, we like to say, and um, we, we say, I work to fund my ministry. No. No, y'all. Work is your ministry. Work is your ministry. That is the chief place this week that you will love God and love neighbor. You spend 40 to 50 hours a week loving your neighbor through your work and bringing out the goodness of the world through your work. But why? Why are we confused? I don't know. Like, a lot of us, like, I show up on Monday, I don't even think about Jesus. I don't, like, what does it have to do with, with anything? I don't even care. Like, so, and so a lot of people have gotten to the point where, like, well, if Sunday has nothing to do with Monday, then why in the world am I doing anything on Sunday? What I really need to do is be refreshed by going into the mountains. There's nothing wrong with going to the mountains. I always kind of mess around with going into the mountains. I love going into the mountains. You know that from my Instagram. Anyway, and so you go into the mountains. You know, you do some winter sports. I'll be refreshed. It's probably better than Sunday, you know? That, that's what a lot of people think. And the problem is, is that we would have the wrong story of the world. 
All of us are living according to a story in the world. We're all living according to a story about the world. Alistair McIntyre in his book, After Virtue, writes about this, uh, that we are all enacting a story. And he says, a man at a bus stop walks up and says, the common name for a wild duck is Hysteronicus, Hysteronicus, Hysteronicus. To which the other people at the bus stop are like, there is something wrong with this person. The only way you can understand what this person is saying is if you knew the context and the story of this person's life. Why in the world is he there saying that? One, one common thing could be, uh, well, he's out of his mind. He got a bad batch of, you know, whatever that's out on the street, and he's just kind of saying whatever. The next would be like, well, maybe he is a secret CIA agent looking for his contact, and he is uh, saying this in order to enact a, a spy password so that they could exchange information. Okay? And so we have a bunch of these ideas of what a story is. And so whenever we think about work, What's the story for our work? In common uh, nowadays is we like to think that our story as, uh, or our work as just an instrument or work as a burden. But I think scripture shows us that work is, uh, is worship. So work as an instrument is a kind of a, is a holdover for modern day, uh, for modernism, is this idea that through work we are going to bring about everything, we're going to bring about paradise itself. We're going to be able to do it through our hard work. And so that's the idea. And so work was a means then to prove ourselves or to, to build up our own validity, to build up everything. And so we think about this nowadays. You think about people who use work as an instrument. They are always working themselves 60 hours a week to prove themselves valid or valuable. This is based on the idea that you are only worth how much you work. How much are you worth? Oh, I don't know. Uh, somewhere in the range of $40 an hour, someone would say. Yeah, $40 an hour, man, that's doing pretty good. Uh, someone might say, you know, I'm worth minimum wage. That's how much I'm wor- worth. See, because that reduces work to just as an instrument, a way to get by, a way to live my life, a way to get to the mountains on Sunday in order that I can snowboard, you know, or ski, wh- whatever you do. Um, and so we, we think about work sometimes just as an instrument. But the problem with this is that it reduces our work and ourselves to just our performance or to the utility of it. How useful are you? Well, a lot of people could say, well, then a landscaper. Landscapers, not nearly as valuable as a doctor. Let's take the doctors. We don't really need landscapers. Anyone could do landscaping, right? Come on. I don't know if you've seen my yard, my backyard. Not everyone could do landscaping, okay? And so, <laughs> but, but we need doctors, and so we reduce a lot, of, a lot of things down to their utility or their performance. This was exemplified well, this attitude exemplified well in the movie Chariots of Fire, where there are two men, Harold Abrams and, um, oh my gosh, my brain is not working, um, and, and, and the missionary. Eric Little, <laughs> thank you, and Eric Little, and so there's two men, Eric Little's a missionary to China, and Harold Abrams, he, is, he, is a, he, he runs, he says, he's like, I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence, and a lot of us are living work that way, I've got this week to justify my existence, I've got to have the best uh, um, 
CV, resume in order to justify my existence. If I don't get this job, I am an invalid. But then there's Eric Little. He talks to his sister. She says, I think you're getting distracted. And he says this, though. He says, Mary, God made me for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I feel his pleasure. Do you know, when you are working out and doing the very thing that you are called to do, and some of us it may be simple, it may be little, but you can feel his pleasure. So work is transformed from just being an instrument to being into worship. Even if it's in the military, work can be worship. Work can be worship. For some of us, work is just a burden. It's an interruption to my vacation. And a lot of us feel this way, uh, and, and we just don't have an idea of what work is about. And so what we need to do if we think work is a burden, we need to expand our vision for what work is actually doing. There were two stonecutters who were, who, uh, who were kind of met by a person and said, hey, what are you guys doing? One of them says, I'm just cutting stone, making bricks, making building blocks. And another man, his vision of it was much bigger. He said, I am building a cathedral. In your life, in your work, as a student, do you think and believe that you're building something bigger or are you just making widgets? Are you, are you just a cog in the machine? Is it a burden? Or are you making something beautiful? And the Bible tells us that we are new creations in Christ. And that new creation means that we are building something beautiful bigger, something bigger. And so we all have this wrong story. So there's those two wrong stories that we see work as an instrument and work as a burden. But then we also have this story that is underlying for a lot of people is that they believe that creation, like it created with work, that it was fallen, and that God redeems people, but it, the redemption that he has is completely spiritual. That it is escape into the other world. That is not the biblical story. That is a Neoplatonist story that thinks that, you know, intelligence or, or knowledge is going to help you escape the world. Rather, the story of the Bible was that Jesus, that, that you are created, that, they were, that humanity was to work and put this world to rights so that it reflects his goodness, that it is fallen, and God chooses people to bring about his recreation, to go about redeeming all of creation. And they did it through their work. They do it through their work. And so that is the story that we live in, that we are building a new creation. And so work should be worship. One of the greatest jazz songs of all time was played by a man named Johnny Coltrane in a song called Love Supreme. 
And for 32 minutes, you could hear him just belt out the most supremely beautiful and wild jazz you have ever heard. It was so creative, so wonderful, so strong. It could get a person out of themselves, and it had to only be a method of worship. Johnny Coltrane, in his liner notes, wrote, During the year 1957, I experienced, by the grace of God, a spiritual awakening, which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. And he's primarily talking about something that got him out of drugs and alcohol. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel this has been granted through His grace. All praise to God. This album is a humble offering to Him, an attempt to say, Thank you, God, through our work. Even as we do in our hearts and with our tongues, may He help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. So whatever you do, If you're a new creation in Christ, you are working to set this world right so that it reflects his goodness and character in the world. And we do that even if we're a stay-at-home mom working in our relationships, putting our homes in order. We do it so many ways. And so how in the world can we be caused to respond like Coltrane So that all we do is an act of love. In the end of the day, we need to see that Jesus has put his name on us. That as he is working in us, it is his name, his reputation that is put on the line. He committed himself to a people so that it would even take him to the cross. And so what he did on the cross was he was taking our reputation, our sinfulness, and he dies. And at the same moment, his reputation, his righteousness, his sacrificial, steadfast love becomes ours. And we become his. Have you embraced him as yours? So that even your work is just an act of worship. Saying thank you for what you have done. And so when he is resurrected on the third day, we see that we are in a new creation, a new way of doing things, a new way of ordering this world, that we are all not just stone cutters, but we are all building a new cathedral, a place fit for God to dwell with us here on this earth. That's the story of the world. And that's the story that you and I are living out. Whether you're a babysitter, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, whether you're a teacher, a counselor, a truck driver, a professor, whether you work as an automotive technician, as an engineer, as a lawyer, as a doctor, you are contributing to the recreation of the whole cosmos so that it reflects his goodness what does sunday have to do with monday because jesus christ says all things are his it has everything to do
has everything to do. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, help us to see that you have recreated us, that you have saved us from the dominion of sin and darkness. You have brought us from death to life in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is not just to escape into amorphous spirituality, but the true spirituality is a spirituality that has hands and feet on the ground, loving our neighbor through our work and in our neighborhoods and loving those who are in our house, caring for them. Lord, help us to reflect the character of the Lord Jesus Christ who has a steadfast love that is a never-ending, never-giving-up, always-and-forever love. Help us, Lord, to look like you, to never quit on that. Lord, renew our hearts. Meet with us now so that we, as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we are renewed in faith so that we may be empowered to go out of these doors. And that we would, oh, we would usher in a takeover, a new creation, a rebellion against sin and death that uses work just as an instrument or work as a burden or work as a tool to hurt other people. But Lord, help us to reflect you into this world. Transform us now. Meet us here at your table. In Jesus' name, amen.